Hey everyone, the Fantasy Hipsters are back. It's episode five of the Fantasy Hipsters podcast. You got your guy, Matt Franchise, here. Right across from me, my buddy, Matt Harmon. What's going on, Matt? Can you believe we've made it five episodes? Five? We must be doing something right. By the way, you got something in your beard right up here. My there mustache? You, yeah. I don't have that problem anymore. Hmm. Well, thanks. Yeah, we're keeping that in the show, by the way. But yeah, right. so we're episode five, here we are. How <laughs> you are doing, you? man? I'm good. I had a wonderful week. Yeah? Went down to uh, Florida, sunny, sunshine state for a wedding over the weekend at this nice golf resort. Played 18 holes on the morning of the wedding at this awesome golf course. Uh, I was fishing for balls in a pond on the first hole, and I'm an out-of-stater for Florida, obviously. Right. I guess if you're an in-stater... Everyone there just knows don't go near the ponds because there's gators, gators in bro. Them. Right. So I'm like fishing around. I'm like collecting a few balls that are on the edge of the water, like minding my own business. Walk up, walk, walk back up to the green and my buddies are like, yo, you see the gator down there? And I was like, what? I didn't even see it. There was one just chilling, like spying on me. And after the, thank God that happened on the first hole because for the rest of the round, I did not go near any water, but it was yeah. awesome. Everybody knows about the gators in Florida, man. Come on. I guess. You got to get woke to that. No, I'm not used to that. I remembered when we were, did we did spring break uh, in Myrtle Beach my senior oh, yeah. year. And, yeah. oh, which, that's a whole podcast worth of stories right there. But uh, <laughs> there was, we were golfing there and there was a gator right on, on, the, on the green there too. And it was like, oh. This not cool. How close can I get yeah. without getting killed? <laughs> it's like the gator from uh, Happy Gilmore. Yes, yeah. much. It was much like that. But anyways, yeah. So we're here on episode five. Uh, before we get rolling, let's tell them about our great sponsors. We're happy to say that we're going to be continuing with the with the Do Champs Grooming Company Very as the excited. chief sponsor of the Fantasy Hipsters Podcast franchise what is do champs grooming do champs is vintage vintage inspired uh handmade grooming products for the modern day man this stuff is great it smells great they have a signature scent i got the beard oil in my beard right now i actually used a hair wax this morning i was looking good at this wedding i was at oh yeah my my wily beard hairs were all tamed from the beard balm uh so go go find them uh do champs grooming dot co on the internet and go buy yourself some some goods absolutely even if you don't have a beard i'm wearing their hair wax in my hair yep, right now yep, they've yep. got a lip balm they do they've got great gift packages too yep uh so yeah they, they got something for everybody check them out our buddies do champs groom grooming dot co you can also find them on instagram twitter facebook check them out buy their stuff it's fantastic it, it smells it smells hella good too like yeah. we were talking last time it's a signature scent they don't call it like it doesn't have a name it's just their signature scent and i think that's pretty unique and cool love it anyway so that is who our sponsors so let's dive into some nfl news real quick we don't have a ton of stuff to talk about um but we got a big show today uh, so it's loaded. Let's, let's blow through the news because we've right. got to talk about our top rookies. Right. We're going to be making a big board here on the Fantasy it's Hipsters little, podcast. Little pros- prospect big board. Absolutely. So let's blow through some news real quick. The first, of course, is the Las Vegas uh, Raiders. Soon right. to be. Soon to be. The Oakland Raiders are approved to move to Vegas by the NFL owners. So this 31 is, to 1. Yeah, the Dolphins were the only team that didn't approve, I believe. Yes. I don't know why. They, apparently, Stephen Ross was saying like we do need to think about the fans, which I think is kind of that, the, the thing you want to talk about the most. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. If I'm a Raiders fan, I'm 
just like the Chargers fan, or yeah, Chargers fans. I'm upset about this, man. I actually, my hygienist is actually a like diehard Raiders fan. So every time I go get my teeth cleaned, she just she talks to me about the Raiders while she's doing stuff to yeah. my teeth. It's such an awkward conversation. I know because I'm like, just like, uh huh, uh huh, Derek Carr, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, it's the worst. I hate that conversation. But the last time I was there, she was expressing her her hope that they stay in Oakland and it's just the whole thing for the fans and right well it's awful too because fans get caught in this like you know pissing contest yeah. of, of rich people right you know I mean I mean the, the Raiders owner is not one of the more wealthier owners in the NFL which is why this is such a big thing that he doesn't like have you know doesn't have the money to just fund the stadium himself but it's crazy you know taxpayers get it's a lot good that goes into it but I have to say on on the positive side mm-hmm. I am kind of really looking to forward to the concept of the Las Vegas Raiders I want to see how this plays out yeah also can you imagine like after a nice long week in Vegas which is taxing a weaker I mean weekend sorry <laughs> no god not a week a nice long week in Vegas not a week don't when ever go to Vegas for a week frying on the curb in the sun right after you die and lose yeah. your soul <laughs> have to be reanimated by some like voodoo doctor or something <laughs> No, you know, after a weekend in Vegas, at the end of it, you see like a Raiders game. Yeah, I feel like that's what they're kind of counting on to for, to be their prime market. Yeah, it's going to be weird because it's all going to be they're not going to really have a home field advantage because everyone who goes to these games are going to be from out of town. Right. It is like a pretty easy drive from, and there are a ton of Raiders fans here in LA, obviously, yeah. and it's a pretty easy drive, just straight shoot three to four hour drive from LA to uh, to Las Vegas. So. Sure. I don't know. It's going to be weird to see it all play out. I am yeah. um, fascinated by the whole thing. I don't really have like any strong takes or opinions other than yes, yeah, it definitely sucks for the, like the lifelong live in Oakland fans. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's going to be weird that the two years that they're going to be still playing in the Coliseum, and Mark Davis is even potentially talking about playing there in 2019 too. So three years they're going to be playing in Oakland. It's like essentially. Like a couple that knows they're breaking up, but they have to live in the same house together. Like right. they've already broken up. The divorce is finalized, but don't worry. But you actually still have to stay in this house. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird to think about. So, yeah. but anyways, that's the that's kind of the big story of the week, and you know, those are that's a, that's our takes on it. Um, sure. Other big news today that just came down the wire, actually. Oh. It's a report from the Beaver County Times. All right. Chris Ballard Official. reports. Uh, the Steelers suspended wide receiver Martavis Bryant's reinstatement is "quote unquote" imminent. This is amazing news for Steelers fans and fantasy fans. Yes, Steelers have been quiet on Bryant's return, but uh, by all accounts, he's been on the straight and narrow. No, like Josh Gordon type of flare-ups. He hasn't been taking shirtless pictures with Manziel or anything like that. Right. Uh, this report indicated that uh, Bryant's added 25 pounds of muscle to his 6'4 frame. Wow. He's in excellent condition, and he works as a volunteer high school coach. Yo, that's amazing. So, and Good for him. If you remember when Bryant like was suspended, there was a big report that he was like struggling with depression. You know, that's why he was smoking weed or whatever. And you know, he's going to see like a therapist or you know and uh, so obviously I, I it sounds like things are going well for him which is good not just for who he is as a football player but who he is as a person too yeah these guys are humans they have problems exactly uh but from a football perspective like you said this is huge news you know you're a Steelers fan but looking at that offense with I mean obviously they've got a great trio there with Ben 
Bell and Brown, but yep. beyond that, they're pretty starved for playmakers. With right. Ladarius Green, like, is he still in the concussion protocol? I, I mean, know. you know, who knows? But other than that, I mean, they lost Marcus Wheaton, which who cares? But Sammy Coates is bad. Like, Kobe Hamilton is is there. Eli Rogers is like a nice little slot, slot receiver. Slot guy. They got Darius Hayward Bay, I think, still on the roster. But right. Martavis Bryant is just a, a nice wide receiver two upgrade there opposite Antonio Brown. You know, his teammates uh, and I think uh, offensive coordinator Todd Haley call him the alien. Yep. And that is such a perfect nickname because he's, like, just not a human person. Yeah, yo, that catch he made in the playoffs against the Bengals where he did the flip right. cartwheel thing. Yeah. And people... Alien status. I feel like a lot of people have kind of also forgotten, too, that, you know, when Brown went out that game and then missed the Denver game in mm-hmm. that following playoffs, like... Martavis Bryant was the number one receiver on the field that day, and he had a huge game. Yeah. So he can, like, he is essentially a one B to Brown's, you know, one A A A, of course. But right. like, yeah, it's an unbelievable tandem. He can easily be a top ten NFL receiver, in my opinion. I've always had a, su- such a high opinion of Martavis Bryant, and I'm glad to see. Uh, hopefully, you know, we, I t- I tweeted this today, and of course, our our buddy Marcus Grant replied like. Yeah, I'll believe it. You know, kind of a I'll believe it when I see it sort of thing. Cough, yeah. cough, Josh Gordon or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, so, of course, it always looms in the background. But if this does come to pass, big news. I'm super excited about it. Me too, man. Yeah. So we'll just kind of quickly blow through uh, the other news items here because it's nothing super important. Jason Witten signs a four-year extension with Dallas to play uh, through 2021 when he'll be about 90 years old. Yeah, he's going to play till he dies. Jonathan Stewart signs a one-year extension in Carolina. I think this was mostly a uh, cap-related move, move some of his money around. I would be surprised if he's actually even with the team next year, and I believe that they will draft a running back, if not at the eighth overall pick. Uh, sometime early in the 2017 NFL draft. Yeah. So they need they means. need it. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, I mean, I don't know if, how closely people follow football-related news that's not really related to football, but Jay Cutler's naked butt was on Instagram the other day. Yeah. It sure so looks like he's uh, struggling with unemployment. Having a tough time. Yeah, definitely. Some beach somewhere. Right. His uh, cool. His wife posted it. Naturally, I uh, the first I saw of it was when 14 Team Mocker quote tweeted it into my timeline, and I was like, "Well, there's there's Jay Cutler's butt." Awesome. Yeah. All right, let's move on. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady apparently said, "I don't know who he told. Did he tell Robert Kraft, Kraft said that he expects Tom Brady to play play until he's 69 years old." Nice. Nice. Yeah. Right. Like he'll, be, he'll play another like six to seven years old. That's insane. He's going to be 40. This who like, knows this year? Who I knows, think. man? I don't. I don't know if I buy him playing another six to seven nah, years. Nah. And also, if they're gonna play, if he's gonna play six to seven more years, what are they doing with Jimmy Garoppolo? Like they're not gonna extend it. I mean, I guess maybe they're just gonna franchise him next year because this is the last year of his rookie deal. Yeah. I guess they would franchise him next year and then try to trade him. But there's no way they're gonna give him, you know, top quarterback money while right. they also have Brady on the roster. That would seem ridiculous. It's a tough situation for Garoppolo. Definitely a tough situation, but so whatever. I'll believe it when I see. It. I'm talking about believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it when Tom Brady is 47 years old and still playing quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, Tom, hear that? Yeah, get out of here. Call us up. Mm, yeah, come on the podcast, it's, Tom. It's kind of our brand to to knock Tom Brady. Yeah, that been, worked out real been, well that first time we tried it. Did that on TV once and uh, kind of came back to bite us. Yeah, and the other two things are unimportant running back news. But okay, yeah, well, we can skip them. Yeah, nobody cares about Le'Veon Bell's full length album. I haven't listened to it. 
I listened to a little bit yesterday. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Okay. It's not it's not groundbreaking. So, all right. So, what we're going to do with this next segment is Franchise and I here on the Hipsters podcast are going to build our fantasy hipsters uh, rookie board. Yeah. And we're only going to do offensive skill position players because that's really all we care about. Um, that's correct. I'm sure there are other... Uh, check out my buddies at the Setting the Edge podcast for defensive line talk. There's a free plug for those two morons. Nice. Um, anyways, so... Look at look at find find defensive talk elsewhere, offensive line, whatever. Uh, so we're gonna talk about skill position players now. Just for clarification, we probably won't have too many quarterbacks in this list because you know for fantasy it's a devalued position anyways. And mm-hmm. also like I don't know about you, but I don't know what the hell I'm looking for with quarterbacks. Not really, me neither. Yeah, so we won't do quarterbacks. So this will basically just be <laughs> wide receivers, which I know I watched on a wide receivers franchise. Watched a ton of running backs. We'll also throw some tight ends, tight ends in here as well. Sure. Uh, but so what we're gonna do is like we'll take my top receivers, his top running backs, and we'll build a combined sort of board. So um, now this board. Not really, like, this is not a where we think players are going to get drafted, where, or, like, in a dynasty rookie right. draft, this is not, like, our draft order. This is just, like, who we think is the best at playing football. Most talented players available for NFL teams to pick. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's, I'll, why don't you go ahead and run through your top five running backs. Sure. I'll run through my top five receivers, and then we'll start to kind of combine and make this board. All right, sure. So, I'll start. As much as I hate it, I mean, I can't. I can't see any other running back other than Joe Mixon he, as my number one guy. He's the most talented guy. He looks to me, he's he looks like Le'Veon Bell on the field. Okay. I know he's got some some off-field issues. Everyone knows about this. I don't want to go into detail about those. Some NFL teams have already come out and said he's off of our draft board. I think it was the Dolphins and Patriots. Yep, there saw are, that Patriots report. Yeah, there are other NFL teams that are like, nah, he's still on our board. I think the Saints are actually meeting him. With him this week, our colleague Daniel Jeremiah tweeted out today that every NFL exec he or GM he speaks to says that he will go in the second round, which hmm. I think makes sense, like a second round pick. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, if that's what you want to do, just kind of docking him because yeah. of the off- well, off-field issues a little bit. If you want a good conversation about his off-field issues, I, I chatted with uh, the Charlotte Observer's Jordan Rodrigue uh, for a piece on, in the in the Observer. You can Google that, or we talked about it on the 49th episode of the Backyard Banter podcast. Cool. Uh, so check that out if you kind of want to talk about his like our feelings about drafting him, evaluating him uh, with his off-the-field issues. But for yeah, for talent-wise, so he's your number one guy. He's my and, number one guy. He's got a bit of a size advantage over guys like. Dalvin Cook and uh, Christian McCaffrey. So he's got, and he's he's a complete package. He can run he, with power. He can catch the ball. Okay. Um, he did well in his pro day. His measurables, according to PlayerProfiler.com, he, he comps closely to uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So that's a good thing. Uh, and I mean, his vision, his speed, changing the field. Uh, his pay, he's got good patience. Outstanding lateral movement, and I just can't see any of these other guys. In my opinion, what I saw on film, Joe Mixon is the best of, of this class. Okay. So who's right. number two through five? So my number two is Dalvin Cook uh, from FSU. He's a little bit smaller, but this dude's feet are electric. Pretty sure he scored 19 touchdowns last year, rushing touchdowns. Two years in a row, actually. He's a dual threat. He runs smooth routes. Uh and he had a horrible combine, but he improved on his 40 time at uh, Florida State's Pro Day. Yeah, so he tested in the ninth 
percentile among spark athletes at uh, at the NFL scouting combine. Like that's a complete and total shank job. Yeah, <laughs> he can't get around that. That's poor. He did improve on his forty time at his pro day. Um, his comps on Player Profiler are uh, Tevin Coleman, and on Mock Draftable, his comps are uh, one of his comps is Mark Ingram. So that's a good sign. That is I think, a nice sign. I don't think he runs with as much power and kind of like as violent as Ingram does, but I can see him. He's he's kind of a complete package. Cook um, also has some off-field questions. Yes, I did look into that and medical questions too. With he's had like a recurring shoulder issue at FSU, so okay. he has a lot of red flags. Got it. But so just just worth mentioning. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if he ends up going in the first round. Yeah, every time I look up an article on one of these players, like a different name is oh this running back is the best in the class. So that's what kind of makes this season so exciting. Is like it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, like everyone has a different opinion, and it's going to be really interesting when the draft comes. All right, so Cook is two. My third is Leonard Fournette. Uh, I mean, obviously this dude is massive. He weighed two forty at the combine. Uh, he he's so explosive. He goes from zero to sixty in a blink of an eye for like a huge guy. He only played seven games in 2016 because of an injury. So uh, his 2016 tape is a little different than his 2015 tape. He looks more explosive on his 2015 tape. He also looks a little bit lighter. I don't know for a fact was what his playing weight was two years ago, but he just looked like he was faster. He accelerated quicker. Um, lightning speed for a big man. Uh, and his comp on player profile was Steven Jackson, probably because his measurables, like his vert, he didn't do good in the vertical. Yeah, uh, but so. for weighing 240 pounds, ripping off a of four or five is incredibly Incredible. impressive. Football yeah. Outsiders does like a speed score for those those players, and I think he was like in the 92nd percentile. So yeah. just freaky size speed combination. Just Steven Jackson is kind of an interesting comp. The one like stylistically would be different. Like Steven Jackson was a really underrated pass catcher, like in that high flying St. Louis offense yeah. with Mark Bulger and Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce towards the end of his career and right. uh, Drew Bennett. Like he caught a lot of passes as well. And Fournette does not have a lot of experience as a pass catcher. And uh, that's what I was. That's why I have him at three because these other pass catching because guys. Mixon and Cook are like complete guys. Mm-hmm. They they have I think. Between 30 and 40 catches each, I think Fournette only had 19 in his full season in 2015. So, you know. All right. There's a disparity there in his pass-catching skills. Will he be on the field and passing down? Stuff like that. Yeah, I've heard some people say, like, they're like I, know, I think Matt Walden has said he's still pretty confident in his ability to catch. Uh, he just hasn't been asked to do it much, so we'll see how Makes that sense. ends. Makes sense. And so, number four, you've got... Somebody I would have higher, quite frankly. Yeah, so there's a lot of hype around Christian McCaffrey right now. Some people are calling him the best in this class because he's a, such a good pass catcher. I have him at four because I'm looking at these guys as running backs, not pass catchers. And McCaffrey, he's a little smaller. There's questions of can he be a power guy? Can he run between the tackles? I mean, as a as a all-around player, like they're going to line him up as wide receiver. He looks like a wide receiver. He just does ridiculous things with the balls when the ball is in his hands, and uh, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't see him as a workhorse in the NFL, and that's my yeah. biggest thing. See, I think that he could definitely be like a Brian Westbrook type of a player. I've heard that comp get thrown around for him, and I think like what makes him so appealing and why I would probably have him, you know, and we're. Our deal here is like I'm not going to change your running back rankings. You're not going to change my wide receiver rankings. If if I had done the running backs, I would have him probably at least three, and definitely over Dalvin Cook because I think he's just so safe. I mean, 
good dude uh, from from what we know, all intents and purposes. Uh, he's obviously going to step in right away, and at worst, like it's an easy comp, but it'll be Danny Woodhead, like at worst, right? Um, and when you watch Stanford, like all they do is run power, all they do is run between the tackles, and maybe it's different at the NFL level, but I think he can at least be like a ten carry a game competent sort of inside runner but okay i like i i like christian McCaffrey a little bit more than you do yeah his comps on uh player profile his comp was duke johnson and hit mock draftable number one comp was wendell smallwood who are both oh, he's so much better than those guys i know so i know much better than those i guys. know he is but i just I for, s- those comps are like from a physical perspective. yeah from the metric size speed athletic testing numbers so right um i see him as like a geo bernard almost maybe he's an athletic right. freak i mean he demolished the combine yeah uh, and he looks great, like just running routes too. Whether it's at his, whether it was at from his pro day at the combine, right? Like he could line up as a slot receiver, I think. Our buddy uh, JJ Zacharyson, uh, late round QB on Twitter, actually wrote an article on Number Fire yesterday about why Christian McCaffrey should be is the best running back in this class, Interesting. because of his pass catching and how valuable that is in the NFL these days. I don't hate that take. So go check that out. It's on NumberFire.com. He makes a good case. JJ launching himself a new podcast, too. I know. I saw that. That's awesome. Number Fire's getting their whole podcast uh, network. network going. So. Might have already been invited on to be a guest, but uh, we'll yeah, see. Well, spoiler alert. Uh, so give us your number five, which is this is kind of, I feel like, a little bit of a hot take. Number five for me is Donta Foreman. Uh, I wrote a profile on him back in February. I, I like him a lot, but his biggest question mark was going to be his speed because he's a large man. Uh, and he didn't perform at the, he didn't do anything at the combine because of stress fracture in his foot. So his draft stock got knocked a little bit because of that, but he just had a pro day, I think yesterday. And he ran, I think a four, four, four or four, five, which was like, uh, pretty incredible for a guy of his size. There was some, uh, there was some hype about that. So the fact that he has that kind of speed, Compared with everything else, his size, size, speed combination, and he's he's like a compact dude who weighs like maybe two thirty five. So I think the combination of his power and his speed is going to be what NFL teams want. He's clearly he ran a four four five at his uh, at his pro day. There you go, four four five. So that's amazing for a guy of his size, and he's a workhorse, and that's mm. what NFL teams want, and that's why he's my fifth highest back. Um, the big question mark with him, I think he lost like six fumbles last year. So ball security is an issue with him. Uh, but that can be corrected. So Yeah, and he's um, – like a lot, I think a lot of people ask questions about like with Texas's scheme, he's running through just a lot of wide open lanes. Is that something that he can do in the NFL level? Uh, so that's why I would say it's like a little of a hot take to have him at five. But right. I'm into it. All right. So my top five receivers. Yeah. Let's go. Corey Davis is number one. Um, the big question with him, and really the only question to me, because because his game is so clean, uh, he's a great route runner. Uh, but so the only question about him is like he's not going to test before the combine. He says that, or he might. He says that he will, but he has not yet. He didn't work out at the combine because of an injury. Um, he said uh, he he didn't work out at his, at the Western Michigan Pro Day because of the injury. So mm-hmm. will we see athletic testing numbers on him before the NFL draft? That's the big question. What kind of injury is it? I think it's a shoulder. So okay. not working out or maybe an ankle. I don't know. 
Anyways, he's hurt. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think it might be ankle. I think it actually is ankle. That would make more sense why he hasn't run yet. Right, right. But either way, um, it, so it's not a long-term injury. Like, it's not a long-term concern. But, like, I think teams, especially with a receiver coming from the MAC, mm-hmm. uh, they want to see testing numbers on him. Um, but other if, if they do, and even really regardless of that, I think he's a top receiver on the board. Uh, he's big, but he plays more of like a small game. His, uh, if you look at his reception perception, which you can find all those pieces on receptionperception.com, mm-hmm. uh, his success rate versus coverage was 79%, which is a top three score that I have over the last uh, two draft classes. Easy separator, not only in the vertical game, but also underneath. Real solid route runner. Great after the catch. Um, he's got a complete game to me. So he's my clear number one. Now, number two, I have John Ross. Wow. And Hot so, take. So the thing about this is, you know, and I, it's pretty it's pretty well documented that I hate doing rankings, but right. we're doing it for the show. Um, <laughs> but John Ross, number two for me. Uh, and again, we're just talking about football playing ability here because his injury concern is a huge deal. Okay. Um, you know, he's had all kinds of lower body injuries. He's having a shoulder surgery this offseason. Like... He's got a long and lengthy injury rap sheet, yeah. uh, so who knows if he if he really where he ends up getting drafted. But we know about the speed, fastest player ever recorded at the combine, um, so that's pretty ridiculous. That's a plus. So we know he can get vertical. We know he's a playmaker in that regard. Um, but elsewhere on the route tree, gets good separation on curl routes, comeback routes, dig routes, and because not only is he afforded a ton of cushion from opposing defensive backs because of their speed. I mean, if you that makes sense. If yeah. you watch him, you see players lining up so far off him just yeah. to not get burned deep and but what he can do then is not sell that or he can sell that vertical route keep the defender focused on him like he's going to take a deep route and then break it out to the sideline or break it back to the middle of the field on a curl. So I think he can be a complete receiver. Um, he's good in the red zone. You watch him execute plenty of red zone fades, everything. So I think he can You know, I think he can be like a T.Y. Hilton type of player, more so than like a Will Fuller type of player. Wow. So I like it, man. He's my number two. My number three yes. is Chris Godwin. Wow. Yeah, love Chris Godwin. He's rising, rising quickly. Um. Well, so you you mentioned that like when I first watched him, you know, he's like ranked, you know, like as a third or fourth round pick on like CBS's site or uh, a few other places, you know, just trying to get a, a scope of who I should watch. Yeah. Um, Godwin, like he went out and dominated the Rose Bowl. That's the best game I've charted for any receiver all year. Uh, but the rest of his tape is great. Uh, Twenty one years old. He dominated uh, in the contested catch game for me. 85.7% contested catch conversion rate is the best score that I have over the last two draft classes. He beats out you know, guys that are well-known for that, like Mike Williams, Josh Doxton last year. Um, so he's great at the contested catch game, but he's also an elite separator too. If you look at his success rate versus coverage scores, 73.5 against man coverage, 85.5 against zone coverage, and 68.1 against press coverage. Those are all above the two-year prospect average. So he can win on every... He has a above-average success rate versus coverage on every route on the route tree except the nine route. Like, I don't think he's an elite burner or anything, but he's a good route runner, knows how to set up defenders, knows how to cut on his breaks. Um, and then you saw him go out at the at the combine and just smash. Right. I think he tested a, either the 88th or 89th percentile for Spark athletes at wide receiver. Off the charts. 
four four speed, crushed it in the broad. Uh, yeah, so he's he's awesome. Um, I think he and I like I've been saying on this podcast for a while. I got a pretty good source that says he could be. He has a couple first round grades from teams. He could go in the high second round. So he's gonna get. He's now he's not last into the third round. That I would bet. I'd bet a pretty good a substantial amount of money on that. But he's my number three. Um, and then after that is Mike Williams. I like Mike Williams' game. I think he might have like more potential than some of these other guys. But for me, when asking myself like. Mike Williams or Chris Godwin, if, if Chris Godwin is just as good or even a little bit better as a contested catch receiver and he's also younger, more physically gifted as an athlete and has better separation scores for me, why, why is Mike Williams better than Chris Godwin? Okay. That's my, that's my question. That's my take. And uh, so that's why he's number four behind Chris Godwin. But really like Mike Williams' game too. I think he very much comps to like an Alshon Jeffrey type player. His success rate versus coverage scores are, you know, good enough. People, for, people like Williams just because he's big. He's big, yeah. So and that, that kind of stands out for No people. doubt. Like yeah. he's three inches taller than Chris Godwin. Yeah. But, I mean, Godwin plays just as big, has a better vertical jump. I think he just offers like an equal catch radius to uh, – to Mike Williams. And right. then number five is Carlos Henderson. Your boy. Louisiana Tech, super uh, super athletic player, guy that gets easy separation. Like, And also, you know, PFF has thrown out like he's just so much better. Like in their broken tackles uh, metric or whatever, uh, he's like the crazy outlier of the last two years. I don't remember their exact ones, but you know, I chart that for reception perception too. In space attempts, like in the open field with an opportunity to break a tackle, his multiple broken tackle rate is thirty nine percent. The second the second ranked player is like twenty two percent. So it's wow. a huge gap. Just incredibly special in the open field. So I think at worst, he has a future role as a gadget type of player, um, and then. I think he can be more than that. I think he does show the ability to run routes. Gets great separation uh, against lower-level competition, but all his separation scores and reception perception are pretty elite. So those are my top five guys. And nice. uh, So we'll start – and also just for tight ends, O.J. Yeah. Howard. We'll say for our top three, are you cool with O.J. Howard, David Njoku, and Evan Ingram? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. Those are the top three. Those are the top three, and I like all those players. But and we'll so we'll sparse them in here and there. So you want to make our combined or start? We're going to do our top twelve today, and then we'll do in the future episodes. We'll build out our future uh, future picks of the big board. So sure, let's do it. So at number one, we're debating between essentially OJ Howard, OJ Howard, Corey Davis, and Joe Mixon. Uh, I think it's going to be Davis. Yeah, I think it's Davis too. I think Davis is the best skill position player uh, in the draft class. Okay. So we'll do him at number one. Say so Corey Davis is our top rookie. Uh, so number two is essentially between Joe Mixon or John Ross or O.J. Howard. Now, if it was me, my vote here is for Howard. Okay. I think he's a clean prospect, good blocker. Like, if you watch Alabama play, you see Howard get a ton of snaps he's, as a blocker. Yeah. Um, he's just a special athlete. Yeah, and he's super safe, I feel like, too. Like, I think he's got the athleticism that he put out there at the Combine. He crushed it pretty much at the Senior Bowl, every way of the pre-draft process. Like, the only thing he doesn't have is, like, a consistently productive resume at Alabama, but it's, Al- it's Alabama, bro. Like, yeah. Yeah, our Darius Stewart threw him a touchdown in the National Championship, and, like, that might have been the best pass he's had all year. Right. Yeah, so, anyways, I, I think it should do – so it's between Howard and Mixon here, and I, I – I'm down to go with Howard. All right, let's go with Howard as our number two rookie. Okay. And then Mixon would be three. I say Mixon is number three. All right, so then we got 
Well, my number two running back was Dalvin Cook, and you had John Ross as your wide out. I think um... – See now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess with your running back order, but I would say that I would go with uh, Dalvin Cook here over uh, over John Ross. Would you? Wh- who would he be your number two running back, McCaffrey? Probably. Okay. Or Fournette. I mean, Fournette and McCaffrey are so different, but like I think yeah. I would probably prefer McCaffrey because he's just super safe, and I think he could be a feature back. And I think just passing like a a great passing down running back is better than a great two down thumper running back, which is essentially which Fournette is, but. Sure. Yeah. So I'm fine with going Cook here as okay. because I think he's a better prospect than than Ross. Cook is a good pass catcher too. All right, so Cook at four. Yep. Ross at five then. No, I think we should go Fournette over Ross too. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this wide receiver class is mostly like really good complementary like twos and threes types. Um, you know, for fantasy, like I know our buddy Evan Silva has been talking about like that this draft class was just, is just not what it's hyped up to be. And I agree with that from a fantasy perspective. Like, I don't think there are a ton of like future number one receivers, but the receiver market's pretty crowded right now. Like there's not a ton of spots where, you know, a number one receiver is just going to step in and lead a team in targets or whatever. Um, you know, that talent I think is Corey Davis is the one I feel the most confident in, but like. And the other, th- like the next three guys on my list, Ross, Godwin, and Williams, I think could all eventually grow into being an alpha dog in an offense. But I think ideally, like this class is full of really strong complementary receivers. But where the running backs, I think, could be, you know, much better. So I would go, honestly, I, McCaffrey here. I would go Fournette and then McCaffrey before I even touch another receiver here. Got it. And then after that, then I think we're into. Uh, yeah. Wide receiver territory. Yeah. So so John Ross at seven. Yep. You want to go Godwin at eight? Let's stick Njoku wanna... at eight. Okay. I think uh, well because he could be like a a really stud tight end type of prospect. Maybe Njoku even over McCaffrey too. I have not watched him yet. I'll yeah, he's it. great. I mean, he's awesome as a as a tight end prospect. I've seen a little bit of him here and there, and I don't know. What do you think? Do you think McCaffrey or or like a just like a high end tight end sort of thing? What do you think? I think McCaffrey. Okay, I'm fine leaving it like that. You want to put Njoku over Ross? No, or no, 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 no. I like okay. I like Ross too much. All right, so now you know what? Let's let's, let's put Njoku over Ross. Okay. No, no, leave it Ross. I changed my mind. Let's leave it Ross. All right, so we got Fournette at five, McCaffrey at six, Ross at seven, and Joku at eight, and Chris Godwin at nine. I love it. Okay, so number ten is between Foreman and Williams, and I think it's I think it's Williams. I, I think so too. I don't think it's close. I agree. And frankly, I think uh, I think Evan Ingram is a better prospect than Foreman too at tight end. And then so that would be Foreman at, at 12. And I think Henderson is a better prospect than Foreman, too. Oh, yeah, Henderson's here, too. He's so, the, so So Foreman's not going to fit in our top 12, then? No. Okay. In my opinion, I would pr- I prefer those players. Okay. So Carlos Henderson at 12. Cool. All right, so let's recap. We got Chris, uh, Corey Davis at 1. O.J. Howard at two, Joe Mixon at three, Dalvin Cook at four, 
Leonard Fournette at five, Christian McCaffrey at six, John Ross at seven, uh, Njoku at eight, Godwin at nine, Mike Williams at 10, Evan Ingram at 11, and Carlos Henderson at 12. That's Boom. the Fantasy Hipsters big board. Come at us, people. Argue with us if you think that's trash. Yeah, I mean, what, well, who are we if we don't have hot takes? So. Exactly, that's true. It's got to be different than the field. But that's, I mean, legitimately, that's how I would, that's how I would sort it out. So what we'll do is next week we'll we'll come back with our 12, 12th to twenty fourth ranked uh, in the big board, and we'll just keep building it out from there until we kind of get through all the players that we've uh, we've watched. Maybe we'll just do three parts of this. Cool. I think that's probably deep enough. Maybe even just two. Who knows? We'll find out. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. So yeah, I if like you got this if you got comments on it, uh, you know, let us know. Whatever. Uh, tweet at us. You know, email us. Of course. Um, but that's kind of yeah. That's our that's our big board. We'll share it with you guys too on Twitter. Yeah, we will. T- we will tweet it out so that you can come at us. Maybe make it look good graphically or something. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. We'll see. Uh, All right. We'll see that's how, it. We'll see how much effort I want to put into it. Sweet. But anyway, so cool. That's our football segment today. Do you want to? Uh, quick let's, break. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with our music and a special beer uh, pick edition this week. Oh yeah, very special, guys. Very Stay special. tuned. Stay tuned. All right. We'll see you on the other side. All right. All right, everybody, we want to remind you about the sponsor of today's show. It's the Duchamp's Grooming Company. Their vintage-inspired, handmade grooming products for the modern-day man are incredible. They have a fantastic beard oil and beard balm to get your facial hair looking just right. They also have a hair wax to make you look stylish as, as all get out, or even a little bit of lip balm there that's scented very nice. Now, For the ladies out there, if you still want to grab some products from them, which we encourage you to do so, they have plenty of kits to get your loved ones a present. All these handmade products are awesome. I use them every day. I have them in my pocket right now. They even have a signature scent. Um, You can find all this stuff at the online shop at www.duchampsgroming.co. That's duchampsgrooming.co. Oh, they have an online shop and follow them on Instagram, Do Champs Grooming Co., and on Twitter at Do Champs Groom Co. Find them, follow them, retweet them, and buy their stuff. All right, let's get back to the show. All right. We're back, Fantasy Hipsters. Our next segment here. Oh, by the way, before we start that, what's up? I do have to make a comment on uh, on our commercial, which, okay. in case listeners haven't figured out, is the same thing every week. Right. Well, same thing after we screwed up the pronunciation the first time. Right. I had a, a very special listener to the show comment on comment to me last night that uh, you need to cut it out with the. Um, you say it like in the commercial. You say, "I've got the stuff right here in my pocket." Who the hell carries grooming pocket like products in their pocket? The lip balm fits in your pocket. You keep it in your pocket? Yeah. Literally, you actually you Where actually do. Where do you do. keep your lip balm? In on in like my bathroom so I can put it on in the morning. Yeah, but what if you're like out at the store and you're like, "Man, my lips are so chapped. I wish I had some Duchamp's lip balm." Well, I don't know. I feel like it's going to get melty out here in LA. I mean, it hasn't melted on me yet. I don't know. Well, when when <laughs> when she said that to me, I was like, well, it makes sense. I was like, you know, I can't do anything about it. It's a pre-recorded commercial. We're definitely not re-recording it. Fine. So I it's just gonna be I, in my pocket for eternity. So. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I just had to make that comment. You're gonna have to deal with the with, with the with the uh, 
my my stupid saying that it's in my pocket. That's okay. I say like I, about the lip balm in the commercial. I say it's scented, very nice because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Very nice. I like that we're, yeah, right? Like I'm like Borat or something. I like that we're ripping on our own commercial right now. Hey, I mean, whatever. We're talented guys. So. Oh, he's super talented. Uh, anyways, all right. So before we get to your music pick, do you want to tell them who sponsors the segment? Of course, guys. It's Flag and Anthem, men's clothing company. Look, you're not trying to play it so safe that you're content just to fit in. You don't want to wear the same uniform as everyone else. But on the other hand, you don't want to look like you're trying so hard that you push the fashion envelope right off the table. Flag and Anthem is subtle, smart, well-made style for the kind of guy who values hard work but also knows how to unwind and have a good time. They make clothing for guys who are too busy enjoying life to obsess about micro-trends, and they make classics that are always cool. Mm. So because our awesome listeners who have supported us through five episodes now uh, since you guys keep tuning in, we're rewarding you with an insane 25% off promo code for Flag and Anthem. 25%! 25% off your first order. You just enter Fantasy Hipsters, one word, upon checkout on your first order uh, at flagandanthem.com. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter, at flagandanthemco. Uh, and they're going to be doing some random sales on, the, on their Twitter and Instagram, so keep an eye out for those. So if you're following them, you won't miss the sale. So that's, mm. again, Fantasy Hipster's one word, promo code on checkout, first order, 25% off, flag and anthem. Their stuff is great. I don't have any of their clothes in my pocket right now, right. but I am wear, wearing one of their shirts. I actually am too. Yes, we both are, of yeah. course. I actually rocked uh, one of my short sleeve button-ups on the golf course. Yes, weekend. I saw you post that picture. Kept the gators away. I like these. I like these long sleeve shirts that they do they're because like baseball tees. Yes, yeah, because they're they're loose around the midsection, tight on the arms. Oh, nice! And you know, guns got to show those guns you know, off. You know, bro. I'm working off on the arms. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're ripped, bro. <laughs> we get it. You work out. Um, all right. Let's get. So, what's your music pick of the week? All right. So, my music pick of the week. You know, every week I I really think hard about this. I'm looking for signs around the world in in my everyday life about uh, you know, what music should I go with? And uh, right now, so something happened to me this weekend. I was at this at this wedding. Oh. I was at this wedding, and I was talking to a friend of mine's girlfriend, and. She was like, yeah, yeah, so-and-so. I used to live in Los Angeles, and my brother is an artist. And I was like, oh, cool, yeah, everyone's brother's an artist. And I, like, rolled my eyes, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, is he in a band or something? She was like, yeah, he's in this band called Lord Huron. Have you ever heard of them? What? And my jaw dropped, and I, like, took a step back, and I was like, that's the sign. Yeah, no I, kidding. Yes, I know who Lord Huron is, and I listen to them, and I like them. Dude, they so rock. That's the band today. I know. It's awesome. Any so, particular songs you want to shout out? Yeah, so uh, World Ender, Fool for Love, and A Man Who Lives Forever. Those are my favorite tracks. They'll go on the uh, hipster Fantasy Hipsters playlist on Spotify that we'll send out after the show. Those are kind of uh, very true to brand. Like Those aren't even really like some of their most popular songs. Are yeah, they? Fool for Love is one of their top ones. Um, but, you know, I like the deep tracks, yeah. bro. Gotta like, go deep. Every, I feel like a lot of people, even if you don't know it's them, uh, it's Ends of the Earth, you've heard that one before. That's in a lot of, like, TV shows. For sure. They get a lot of syncs, yeah. I like Time to Run a lot, and uh, Meet Me in the Woods is another really good one that's popular of theirs that's, that's, that's good. I like that one. Yeah, they're indie folk, a little chill. Some have a little very, surf rock vibe, country vibe. echoey. Yeah, a lot of reverb going on. A lot on. of reverb. A lot of reverb. So the band this week is Lord Huron. They'll be on our Fantasy Hipsters Spotify playlist. 
Check them out. I love that you were like, oh yeah, everybody's artist. And then it like, actually turned out to be a super well-known like oh, good band, band that I actually have listened to. Yeah, like, that's pretty sick. I was like, you're kidding me. Did you, She's are, like, no. Well, did you get them to come on the podcast? No. What the hell, man? Sorry, bro. Well, speaking of people coming on the podcast, we have our first guest, and it's going to take the place of our beer, my beer segment. We actually got an actual beer expert on. Uh, so we're going to toss it right now to uh, Franchise Night's interview with Brandon, one of the bartenders from The Gulp. So hope you guys enjoy that. And now the, uh, the Fantasy Hipsters podcast is happy to welcome in our first guest ever. Groundbreaking moment here on the show. Huge day. We're here with Brandon Rubesh, soon to be, but still soon to be former, but still current bartender at the Gulp, where Alex Galhar and I are official regulars. Brandon, how are you doing? Hello. Good afternoon. Yeah, well, it is a good afternoon here in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I feel like uh, the, the, the cliche thing is always be like, "Oh, the weather's nice," but we're not going to talk about the weather. We're good. This is our sub in for our beer segment. Uh, where normally I do the beard pick, but I decided or I decided to bring on an expert in the topic, which Brandon is as a bartender. So, Brandon, kicking things off, give me kind of like your top three favorite beers ever. Hmm. Well, I top would, three or five, depending on how you feel. I would definitely have to start with you know I'm an IPA guy. I grew up in Portland, Respect. Oregon, so um, you know I have to have an IPA. As as one of my top, um, my current one that I like to drink, it's it's they're a fairly big Portland company, Deschutes. Actually, they're from Bend, Oregon, but um, their Fresh Squeeze IPA I think is definitely I think one of the most drinkable, kind of you know it's not over the top hops, but very kind of fresh hops, right? No uh, flavors, and um, that's definitely one of my top five I'd say right now. Well, that's of course, one these lists thing. are always changing, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, so but one thing, yeah, people always say about IPAs are they're too hoppy. So this is one that uh, maybe for those people that are kind of not not into the hops, that's a good option for them. I mean, anybody who says an IPA is too hoppy probably just shouldn't drink IPAs. <laughs> but, um, Fair enough, because <laughs> there's a lot of other beers out there as well that are quite nice and agree um, don't have the same hop content. But uh, that tends, you know, IPA India Pale Ale. It's by nature. It's something very hoppy. Uh, right. I don't know if you're familiar with the background of IPAs, but um, even if I am, our listeners <clears throat> might not it, be. It goes back to when the British troops were in India. Back in the day, they had and they were shipping the beer from England to there, and it would spend so long on the boats that they had to add um, preservatives and hops as a preservative. So they put extra hops in the beer, and it just kind of became a style thing. They really liked the extra hop content. And wow. that's where India Pale Ale got its name. I love that. That's but. awesome. <laughs> I never yeah. knew that. Yeah, I think I'd I think I'd heard that before, but like it's pretty cool that kind of it's like, oh, this is just a weird thing. Let's try it. No, look, it works. And now us yeah. us goofballs sit here and drink it here in the year twenty seventeen. Yeah. Well now there's just so many different varieties of hops as well that you can you know, you can get so many different flavors depending on how early in the brewing process you put them in and how late. I mean that the same hops will taste different even. Sure. And there's like hundreds of varieties of different hops. So there's there's a lot of different things you can do. The possibilities are endless. The possibilities are kind of endless. Nice. You know? Beautiful. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one of my top. Uh, it wouldn't be a top five without a really great Belgian beer, I would say. And back in my Paris days, I used to live in Paris. Um, I got 
really into Belgian beers because it was it was a little harder to find IPAs there in those days. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think La Chouf is probably La one Chouf. of my top all-time beers. Um, it's a very it's you know it's like eight percent, which these days with all these double IPAs and all these different oh, yeah. things coming out, eight percent isn't considered really that high anymore. But um, I, I think say, they also put fairy dust in it because the drunk is a little <laughs> bit different than anything I've ever experienced. Oh, that's great. I'm checking that one out. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, um, it's got a gnome that their logo is a gnome. That's definitely yeah. on the uh, to-do list. But I, I got to cut in here for a second and, and just like complain about something that's really not worth complaining about. But like last night I was out, I uh, had dinner, and... Like, right away, I didn't want to order something too high in ABV content, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't want to go to the 8 or 9 range, and because I had not, like, eaten recently, saving myself for dinner, obviously. I didn't want to, like, start getting tipsy on my, like, first beer, you know? I didn't want to be feeling it. But I get there, and, like, everything that I want to, everything I want to drink is, like, all in the 8 to 9. That's a... Am I just, is this like a stupid first world problem that I'm complaining about or? Yeah, this is a really uh, modern, I think a new world beer problem actually. <laughs> uh, or, or if you're in Belgium, new but those are the only problem. places, the, mm. the only other place in the old world I think that where that's a problem is probably Belgium. But uh, right. if you go to England, you're going to have a far, hard time finding anything that's over 5%, anything. That's interesting. So yeah. the, the English are really having a slam back like a bunch of beers to get to the level that, you know, after f four or five here, you're, you're, you're already there. The typical English office worker probably puts down four or five pints every night after work. Wow. Wow, that's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like 4%. Sure, so right. it's not quite the same. Even their IPAs are that low ABV. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. I never, you hardly ever see that. All right, so beer number three. Three, I'd have to say something, you know, I need a little bit lower hop content every once in a while, a little lower ABV. Uh, so I would go with, you know, uh, a lighter pale ale. Mm -hmm. um, so something like Deschutes Mirror Pond or even like Santa Monica XPA, something in that category. Yep, that's a good I one. Don't, really have like a specific brewery where I really love that kind of sure it's it's a little bit like it's you know when you want to drink beer but you're maybe a little bit more full or you just don't want something quite so rich so I don't really I don't have any that I'm just crazy about I, I used to mirror pond is usually my go-to when it's that kind of situation yeah, so I'll just pond is for good. yeah lack of finding one that I'm crazy about I'll say mirror pond yeah mirror pond is a good one um I'd say number four, probably something in the stronger double IPA range. Oh, um, you know, I actually, lately I've been become very, very fond of the Naughty IPA. Oh, three yes. Weavers, three Weavers out of, just by LAX there, they're making some amazing beers. They have and, awesome. I've been incredible. Yeah. I mean, you guys have them on tap a lot. We all went down to the brewery because Caitlin, our former Gulf waitress, works there now, and their beers are great. And I yeah. love that they're kind of constant. They just did a tap takeover at the Gulf, and I was there. You yeah. were there, too. I was there. That yeah. Night. Yeah. You were all there. Wow. They have some fantastic beers, and they're kind of the new hot thing in L.A. right now. I mean, Caitlin, who works there, who, as you said, used to work at Gulf, has managed to, managed to kind of brand the west side yeah, well. with shirts and, you know, different merch. <laughs> Nice. But it's a, it's great because it's getting the word out, and they have really good beer to back it up. So. If there's anyone that's good at pushing uh, 
a product out there, it's it's her. That's for sure. She's good. Yo, we should get some free shirts out of this. All this promotion. Yo, three weavers. Yeah. Three weavers. Sponsor the three weavers. Because, yeah, sponsor, sponsor the podcast. Send a case to my apartment, please. <laughs> All right. But, so, um, so give us number five. Uh, number five, I'm gonna have to go with a stout. Probably nice. a stout. Um, that would be yeah. That that would just bring the whole thing together bring for me. Time. I don't need any. I don't. I mean, I like a Mexican beer every now and again when I drink a good tequila or something, but. This is, you know, I'm talking about my real favorite favorites yeah. to drink. So, yeah, it wouldn't be the same without a good stout on there. Um, hard to narrow it down to one. I'm a big fan of that Anderson Valley Bourbon Barrel Stout. Oh, big, yeah. Big, big fan of that. That's a good one. Also the old Rasputin from North Coast. Um, Everybody loves a good old Rasputin. Yeah, <laughs> classically, you know, when I was younger living in Portland, Obsidian the Stout from Deschutes. Again, I know another Deschutes one. Um but, you know, one of my favorite stouts is actually quite little, a very, very little known beer company out of Sri Lanka, believe it or not. Whoa. I know, that's out of left field. It's exotic. <laughs> yeah, you just went super hipster. Yeah. This, 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 this has got to be the only stout you'll ever find coming out of Asia. And the absolute wrong place to drink it because you can't find a cold beer in Sri Lanka to save your life. So if you, if you can imagine wow. sitting on a tropical beach drinking a warm stout, it doesn't sound no. very nice. <laughs> it sounds gross. Everything However, about that sounds wrong. Yeah. <laughs> However, if you can find a place that imports it, you know, a, a Sri Lankan kind of curry supply sure. store, something like that, um, in the wintertime when it's cold out, it's absolutely lovely. It's a very good beer. Older beer, you know, they learned... Whoever's still brewing it there, I'm pretty sure they learned from the English. So what's it called um, again? When they were still there back in the 50s or something. So I don't know. It's it's called uh, Lion Stout. Yeah, Lion the Stout. company is Lion. It's there. a classic for me. I like um, it. Not many people know of it, but it's, it's it's actually surprisingly it's an excellent stout. <laughs> well, you've like completed a little flight here for us with the with yeah. the five. Uh, awesome. So my next question after that is kind of similar. What area of the U.S. Makes the best beer. I'm biased. I mean, I'm from Portland. Sure. Um, so I'm going back up to Portland. I've always been a big fan of the the most annoying thing I find there is is just so saturated, you know, with especially IPAs and stuff. And right. I I really do actually love. I was very surprised when I moved here, and and especially when I got the job at Gulp, um, to discover how amazing the Southern California beer scene is. Honestly, it's it's it was surprising, and it's it's very intense down here, and they're doing a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, I'm not a huge fan of sours, and I know that's a big hot thing right now, and that, yeah. but they are doing a lot of interesting stuff with that. Um, not a sour fan either. Yeah, I kind of like mean, a sour once in a while. Really? Yeah. I mean, the weather's right for it. I just don't. Yeah. I'm, I don't like tart. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm still gonna have to go with with the Northwest. Cool, cool. The best beer region. Um, also, because I feel like that was the first beer region that kind of started really doing this craft beer thing and been popularizing it. Um, How it's all. It's over been the popular place. up there since yeah. I was a little kid. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I feel like that's still you know everybody has their own claim to fame in some way mm -hmm. with the beer regions and stuff and yeah. You know, I would. I'm gonna. I know. I'm. If anybody from Portland hears this, I'm gonna be crucified for saying all the nice things I've said about Southern California. But um. oh man, well we'll just have to hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> now I I gotta say I, I love the the Cal the whole like California 
set of beers is great. You know, everything that's down in San Diego, I'd like to get down there and like poke around some of their breweries sometime. Uh, things out here in LA are really good. I will cape up for North Carolina has some really good beers out of there. Hmm. Uh, so, and actually, to be to be fair, sorry, just to cap off that last thing. Even back when I was like, I mean, this is a little while ago, fifteen years ago now, when I was like twenty one or whatever. Um, you know, Stone and Longanitas and all yeah. that stuff were in the special aisle of Whole Foods up in Portland. And that was like the big hot yeah. thing people were buying still. So it hasn't, it's not only Portland-centric up there. But sure. people drink good beer no matter where it's from, I think. For sure. Good beer is good beer. That's yeah. one of my, one of my you know, hot takes is beer, <laughs> beer is good. Um, to be completely honest, I haven't explored too many beer regions in the U.S. Um, I spent so long kind of hiding from the world in Paris. Right. <laughs> wow. That, um... Yeah, I, in a lot since then, I was spent eight years there. So since then, a lot of the, the, the you know that's kind of when a lot of these places have blown up with their beer scenes. Sure. Um, so I don't know too much. I haven't traveled around the U.S. very much, but well, but you've got a lot of world experience right. with beers. I mean, you're dropping bit. you're dropping stouts from Sri Lanka here. You're talking about beers in Paris. I mean, yeah. So that's that's all that's all very uh, very interesting. Now I want to get to another subject that's not beer. Because Brandon, for those who don't know, uh, is like actually a legit man, not like, <laughs> not like a couple of podcast dweebs here yeah. uh, with our microphones and our blogs and spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. Oh man, so many spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, right before you came over here, you were welding knives. I was. I'm, I'm forging. Knives. Forging. forging. Knives. Sorry, I said welding again. <laughs> Jeez, I'm an idiot. Um, we'll cut that out. No, we won't. But you were forging. Yeah, I was forging them last night and, um, yeah, grinding them on the belt grinder today. I've got a big order that I'm trying to finish before we move, so it's uh, an order of 12 steak knives forged out of old, rusty railroad spikes. Whoa. Wait, so you make knives and then sell them? Is that like a side, side hustle you got going on? Yeah, I'm, I mean, That's I'm awesome. learning. I started doing it in September, so this is the second bit of business I've had. The first one was, like, I made this knife out of a railroad spike and I sold it to a friend of mine but they hadn't picked it up yet and I brought it to a dinner party actually I brought a few different knives I had made I've made uh, mostly camp knives and choppers mm -hmm. um, but I made this big cleaver as well I brought all these knives to a dinner party just to show some friends what I was up to and they had a friend who was in town from Paris this this uh, woman who's like a goldsmith in Paris and she saw this railroad spike knife and her eyes lit up and so she ordered 12 of them. Wow. It's like a steak knife thing so she can kind of show them off to her friends at dinner parties and stuff. That's so, so cool. Yeah, and I'm st I stamp each one on the butt with a number and... That's sick. So yeah. what's like, what's the actual process go in to all that? So, you know, I go into the forge. Um, you know, the forge is basically a metal container with, you know, propane blasted Hot into it. Hot stuff in it? Hot as hell. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it easily gets 2,000 degrees plus in there, more yeah. probably. Um, so, you know, you use, get some tongs and a hammer and get your anvil next to the forge and um, stick the stick the spike in there and let it get nice and hot. You know, it's like decide where I want to start drawing out the metal. So I, you know, I lengthen it basically. By it's like some it real Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. Hey, do it just with a hammer, you yeah. know, and uh, draw it out with a certain kind of hammer called a cross peen hammer, and um, and then you know hammer in the bevels with a different kind of hammer, and you know make it this right width, and make sure it's straight, and stamp the back of it, and then I heat up the handle, and I put in a vise, and put a wrench on it, and twist it, and give it a give it a twist on the handle. And nice. Yeah, you showed me yeah. some pictures. They, they look 
pretty awesome. Uh, now, you mentioned before, when before we started recording, that you have uh, a friend with a, a beard-related nickname, and you made a knife. Like like I said, Lord of the Rings style, you really you named this thing. Can you tell uh, the listeners what about that? Yeah, so um, it's a plan of mine. I haven't, I'm going to surprise him with it, so I guess if he hears this, it won't be a surprise, but I... Um, I doubt he's one of our he's the, one of our trillions of listeners. Yeah, he's one. He's the the world beard champion, uh, two time two time world beard champion, Madison Rowley, one of my best friends in Portland. And uh, so, I know the day will come at some point. I'm not sure when because he's you know his kind of life is this beard, but yeah. um, and he's got a mustache wax company off the back of it, and he's. You know he's he judges beard competitions now, and he he had to stop competing because he'll just he'll enter and then everybody who's in his category just drops out. Whoa, <laughs> that's amazing! So now he's just a judge. Intimidation so, factor. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's got a formidable beard. Um, we should get him some do champs. So the plan is to <laughs> forge this really cool kind of rustic, uh, oversized razor, and call it uh, Beard Killer. And, nice. You know, for, you know, hammering the letters, you know, beard on one side and killer on the other, and give it to him for for the when the day comes that he when he shaves it when wow. he shaves it all off. Yeah, and that would be amazing. maybe we can make an event out of it, and he could use my my razor hopefully, and maybe a good way to promote my company. I gotta see a picture yeah. of this guy's beard. Yeah, no it's kidding. Intense. <laughs> well, I guess if he's yeah. world famous, we can just Google it. Yeah. But, uh, well, as I can personally attest to, you know, and I don't never had a beard quite as legendary as that, or will ever. But uh, you know, all beards must die someday. 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 Yeah. All right. So before we ask you your last question, do you have like, in case anybody listen, can people like buy your knives anywhere? Um, I don't currently have a website or a Twitter up. But I am, I, I will, and it's coming very soon. So I've just kind of settled on a name for my knife company. Okay. Um, and actually I have two, because I'm going to start two knife companies. So hmm. there's the main knife company. I'm going to do all my main knives. It's called Burley Knives. Nice. Um, so, and then I'm going to have an offshoot company called Gnarly Forge, where I do all the really crazy, you know, zombie killer kind of stuff. Sure, awesome. really just go crazy with the ideas and you know no limits on that kind right, of thing right so but burly knives I'm mainly going to do camp knives and um, cutlery kind of kitchen knives and stuff like that I'll probably start by just doing um, uh, cleavers okay but uh, eventually I'll get into doing chef's knives and things like that I'm not quite on the level where I'm ready to do chef's knives right now, yeah. but um, camp knives and choppers and all that kind of stuff, I'm definitely I'm definitely just around the corner from being able to fully market myself. So look for me on Twitter eventually, probably I'd say two months from now, month, a month to two months, I'm going to have, have a full-on assault going. Well, listen, when you do get it rolling, yeah. let us know, yeah. and we'll promote you for free on the podcast because you are our first guest and your friend of mine. So I, that'll, and we'll tweet it out for all of our listeners and tell them to follow you and that sort of stuff. Oh, excellent. We'll, we'll Thank you so can. much. All right. So our last, so our last question, well, second to last question. Can you tell everybody why I secretly have, I secretly kind of hate you now at this point because of your cute little magical life that you're about to go lead in Portland? Yeah. So me and my, uh, Wife that I met, my French wife. We we I met her in France. Who is also, side note, 
very beautiful, lovely woman. I met her. I did get to meet her once, and Brandon is also a, a tall, handsome man. So you can see why the hatred is, is building up. <laughs> so we um, we decided to. The reason we're leaving LA is to go to Oregon, to Portland. It's going to be outside of Portland. We're going to try to buy a piece of land and build our own house. We really want to live in a place that we built with our own hands. So That's awesome. It's quite magical. Yeah. yeah. And very annoying for you know the lonely bastards of the world like me, uh, but. That's very cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing what your life holds there in Portland. Uh, it's awesome. Thank and you very much. So speaking of Portland, the last question that we have for you, after going through all this, you know, super niche beer talk, the fact that you make knives, the fact that you're from Portland, you lived in Paris, and now you're going to live in Portland again. On the Fantasy Hipsters podcast, we want to ask you, are you a hipster? I am not a hipster. I'm absolutely okay. 100% not a hipster. I should also I should also I should also note that you and I got into a spirited conversation about man buns recently too and how I was anti-man bun and yeah. you were a little more pro man. Well, bun. I'm not so pro man bun. I when I had long hair, I I, I had more of the samurai fold, I right. guess you could say. So I never really had the man bun per se, but I thought you were kind of targeting me a little bit, so I, I got a little <laughs> defensive. <laughs> I get really defensive when people call me a hipster because I know. Well, that's why it's it's so fascinating to to hear you talk about it. A little insight into that is that you know, I mean, being from Portland, you know, the first thing everybody thinks of when you mention Portland, they they want to ask about um, Portlandia. Yeah, is sure. it really like that? And you know, it's it. I just. It, it, it gets a little bit old. And right. It's like, it's like that, yes, but that's because of things like Portlandia. And people get the idea that it's like that, so they go there and they make it like that. By uh, being right, right, right. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. It is a totally self-fulfilling prophecy. And, um, it, but it's, it, you know, when you actually go to Portland and you get in the heart of the hipster scene there in some dive bar, it's... It's laughable. I'm sorry. It's really it's it's too much. It's over oh, the top. So absolutely. That's why I get a little bit like no, I'm not, <laughs> goddamn, you know. Um, and most people who are actually from there feel probably the same way. Yeah, I think <laughs> I would I would imagine so. Like it almost becomes like a little bit of a pejorative term. Yeah, it becomes a little bit of a bane. Well, we appreciate you, despite the fact that it, that it it comes off that way. We appreciate you gracing us with your presence here on the Fantasy Hipsters podcast where essentially we're playing a parody of that very fact. So I right. hope the irony <laughs> sets in for everybody. <laughs> but Brandon, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank uh, you so much this, for having me. This has been great. Our first official guest couldn't have been any better. And I'm we, so honored. Yeah, we want to we wanna both wish you the best of luck uh, moving to Portland here soon, and we're going to miss you at the Gulp. Thank you very much. I will miss... I will miss Gulp and you and the other clients and the people I worked with there dearly, but, dearly. But mostly me. But all right. We'll, mostly you. Sure. So we'll end on that <laughs> note and get back to the show. Nice. All right. So I hope you guys liked that uh, interview with Brandon. Awesome stuff there. Like not only does, is he super knowledgeable on beer, like all the knife, all the knives stuff. That was and, amazing. Like the guy's building, can you, building his like own house I wish, look, in I Portland. I wish I asked him. If he's going to forge the axes to chop oh. down the trees to build his own house. Yeah. Now, that would be crazy. Yeah, that would be nuts. But guy's about to go like live this dream life. Awesome for him. I'll miss him at the Galt. But, cool uh, cool yeah, guy. Very cool guy. Love great him. interview. Like, Brandon's great. Um, awesome that, I, like I said, I just love that we're doing guests that are just completely not even like football analysts. Oh, yeah. Just like random people. I love that. I could have listened to him talk for like 20 more minutes. Oh, seriously. He has a ton of stuff to say. But anyways, yeah. hope you guys enjoyed that interview. But we're going to get into the last segment of our show here. 
uh, which is uh, our, our mailbag questions. Um, and of course, this segment is sponsored by Reality Sports Online. Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? <laughs> Good news, pal, because now you can. Sweet. Thanks to Reality Sports Online and a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an actual GM. RSO is created by former NFL front office people, so you know it's legit. Features a revolutionary free agent auction room. It mimics the actual NFL free agency. Uh, They enable owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams. Franchise doesn't even have 32 friends. And has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, injured reserve, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Test your GM skills for free with our 14-day free trial at realitysportsonline.com. If you like what you see, and you will, because if you don't, you're a fool, uh, use the promo code HIPSTERS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Nice. Boom. Uh, just for a little context here, Franchise is, uh, is like doing a fantasy baseball draft, which is offensive to me. I'm in the middle of a fantasy baseball draft right now. Yeah. It's obnoxious. It's, it's like offensive to me that you're doing that in my home and while we're recording our podcast and I'm so anti-baseball. It's a two-catcher... Uh, I, I don't care. Categories, head-to-head categories league. I already got Nolan Arenado and Corey Seager. Those aren't real people. Baseball season starts soon. Ugh, lame. Anyway, so we're uh, we're gonna. Go, I'll just I'll ask the questions and and uh, you can obviously chime in. But I'll take I'll take the wheel here since you're doing that. Perfect. Uh, so our first question comes in from Ben Cummins, and I'm not gonna read his exact question because uh, it's obnoxious. Follow Ben on Twitter, by the way. Ben Ben is great. One of the people that was on episode 50 of the Backyard Banter podcast. Oh, but nice. Ben wants to know: Should you ever date? Somebody from the from the bar that you are a regular at. Or I want to know the answer to that too. The answer is no. Tell us why. Flat no. But why? Be, well, okay. <laughs> and listen, if anybody out there is listening and they have a relationship with a bartender or a waitress from a restaurant or a bar that they're always at, good for you. I'm happy for you. I hope it works out. Good for you. Good, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great Sessler drop. Um, but anyways, Sessler would be fun on this podcast. Yeah. Anyways, um, the thing is, like, it's essentially like dating somebody like your neighbor. Like, you're not gonna, like, you're gonna end up in a situation where the the worlds are colliding. Mm-hmm. Like, what if something goes wrong? Then you got to go back to that bar, and like, even if the other person's gonna be like professional about it, and you know, they're like, eh, it's it's all gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. I, I for me, I would feel weird. I'd feel weird, like, if something, you know, because especially considering I screw everything up relationship wise. Yeah. Thank you. you um, thanks for appreciate the the, the validation. Uh, you're gonna go in there and ruin it, and then you gotta like what? Do you, then you gotta stop going to your bar. Yeah, the bar is like your sanctuary sanctuary where you go to get away from all your problems, exactly. right? And drown them in alcohol or what have you. Yeah. Why would you want that your person there? Exactly. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I get it. I you gotta it. go to there and be able to unwind or whatever. You know, it just wouldn't be the same. It would ruin a very sacred relationship. I get it, man. 
All right, so second question. This comes in from Matt Martin. Hey, hipsters, in this year's upcoming fantasy drafts, where is your preferred draft position and why? Could you guys maybe do a segment closer to the draft season about the best way to address each individual draft position in a 12-team league? Obviously, the best league, and you're right, it is the best. If you're playing in less than a 12-team league, you're a wiener, and you don't have enough friends, like franchise. Um, But do you have a take on this, like upcoming fantasy drafts? I think... I mean... I've never owned Antonio Brown ever in a fantasy league. Really? So number one overall. Just so you I take would, Brown. So you I would take want, Brown I over. I just want to own Antonio Brown for one damn season. Fair enough. One time. Fair enough. Um, I see, and because of that, you could honestly pick four because I think those top three running backs are going one, two, three. David Johnson, Lev Bell, Zeke Elliott, yeah. and then AB. I think that would that's probably the order. I like I do kind of want to pick in that top, especially like right now at this point. Yeah, it's hard to say like how the the back half of the first round is going to shake out. So and like in prior years, loved being on that turn. You know, like in last year's drafts, I would go. You know, kind of maybe at the end of round one, like a you know a wide receiver like an Allen Robinson type, and then the second round go like Keenan Allen or uh, Mike Evans. Only one of those things would have been an actual good pick, but you get the point. This year, I don't really see, like, I just I don't know enough yet to say that, like, the turn's going to be great. So, like, right now, if I had to pick, I would say give me a top a top five pick so that if, the, if, if I'm in the top three, I go running backs. If I'm in this four to five range and I get Brown or Beckham, then I feel pretty good about it. All right. So that's the answer to that question, but there that'll change. And yeah, we can definitely do something closer to draft season about uh, uh, each position. You know, yeah, yeah. All right. So next question comes in from Martin Clark. Hi, franchise and Harmon. Like you, franchise. I too am a Steelers fan. What players and positions do you guys think slash want the Steelers to draft in the early rounds this year? Love the content you both produce, especially the Fantasy Hipsters podcast. Stay woke, Martin. Thanks, Martin. We will stay woke, and thank you for the kind words. Uh, what do you think the Steelers need this year? They need defense. They need a better defense. They're set on offense. Hopefully, Especially Mark, if Brian's back. Yeah, hopefully. I was going to say wide receiver, but now that he's coming back, that makes me feel a little better about their receiving core. They need uh, – I think they need linebackers because I think Lawrence Timmons – He left for the Dolphins. Oh, he left. And James Harrison is old as hell. I can't believe he's still playing well in his in – so old. I know it's crazy, and they they drafted a few guys in the secondary. I think last year, so I think they need to hook up hook up a linebacker and then maybe like a defensive back in the first couple rounds. I'd like to see that, but to give you names, I I, I just care about offensive players in the draft. So. Uh, I think that um, I think they take a running back at some point. Maybe not. Oh uh, yeah, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's like third round or something. You know, obviously they have one of the best in the game, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're not bringing back D'Angelo Williams, it, it sounds like. Um, Bell obviously has a tendency to get hurt and suspended. Uh, he doesn't have a long-term deal yet. We don't know how those negotiations are going to go. I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the, like, the third round take a developmental player like a Jeremy McNichols or a Marlon Mack. Those are two names to watch out for. I, yeah, Jeremy McNichols is on my list of uh, McNichols is fascinating, man. Yeah, um, because yeah, it's uh, it's 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 because he's a he's a good pass catcher. He's kind of in that like doesn't is isn't a good runner yet, but a good pass catcher. 
So it could that could fit well with what the Steelers do. All right, next question. This comes in from Thaddeus Stewart. He sent us a nice long message about the about how he's found the podcast and what's up with his life. That's awesome. Good to hear that. We're not going to read that whole thing, but okay. So as for a question for the pod, if you had to get a tattoo of a current NFL player's face, who would you choose? Where would the tattoo be placed, and why? Wow. You got Some any takes? Face. Got any takes? So okay, in terms of location, can they have a helmet on? No, it's gonna be face, just regular face. Okay, so if it's in terms of location, I ideally actually want to get a, a tattoo on my arm, but because you're ripped, bro. Stop. <laughs> but, but I feel for this, like I don't know if I want a face on my arm. Right. I feel like I would get it on my like pec. Your okay. Like, maybe. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> you're like touching your pec, like right here. Well, yeah, like right here. Oh, that's where the pec is. Okay. Yeah. You want to see that? You're ripped. You want to touch bro. it? <laughs> Do you want to touch it? Oh, no. I don't want to touch it. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, so let's, I think let's I would get focus a... less on location and what, let's focus well, so, more okay. on the location player. Okay, location might would be the peck. All right. Uh, it was, that's part of the question. Was where did you get? Where would you place it? All right. So uh, tattoo of current alpha player. Um, this is a weird question. It's a weird question, but I think that's part of it. So <laughs> my instinct right away is to say like, you know. I don't know, like a like Allen Robinson because he's awesome and like he's, he's your boy. He's my boy, but I kind of want this to be funny, so I think it should be somebody a little more like weird looking, like maybe an offensive lineman like Ryan Khalil from the Panthers <laughs> or something like with a big beard. Yeah. What? That'd be know. cool. That's a good looking one. The beard might trickle off of your peck and onto your rib cage, though. It, yeah, well, I mean, I well, I don't know, how, I don't know how long his beard is currently, but he, there's also like a picture of him like in a like a bear costume or something on the internet like so maybe it could be when he's in the bear got the baby crying downstairs oh what about if we got a tattoo of um uh Kristen Michael in that like American oh, flag jumpsuit see I think you should do C Mike yeah alright cool so you're getting right, C Mike C Mike and... but where though where are you getting it I guess I would just probably do my forearm okay I like that spot right under where your elbow bends there yeah I just know trying to explain for the audio listeners. Yeah, know. sure. This is an audio podcast. You want to touch it? No, no. Oh. You're not. You're not ripped, bro. Hey, no. you don't have to be rude. I'm, it doesn't. You're, you're lean. Oh, thanks. You're slight. You're agile. All right. So you're getting uh, offensive lineman, and I'm getting Kristen Michael. Yep. All right. Deal. All right. Next question. This comes in from Ben Shoop. Uh, dear fantasy hipsters, I was wondering your thoughts on the idea of creating a new stat for football called the error. This is a type of turnover that is currently being stated as an interception where a quarterback throws to a receiver, yada, yada. We know what an interception is. Um, it would now count against the targeted player over the quarterback. A recent example of this would be Tom Brady's interception versus Houston in the playoffs where he targeted Malcolm Floyd. Uh, this would no longer count against Brady, but on Floyd instead. What are your thoughts on this idea and the fantasy implications? I've been enjoying the new podcast as well as sandwiching the Backyard Banter podcast. Well, thank you for listening, both of us. Free promo. Exactly. Um, anyways, hmm. I think it's a good idea. The question would for me would be enforcement. Like, you would have to come up with a lot of yeah. really specific instances. Because, there would be a bunch of gray areas. And right. Like, it's just, you know, if it was tipped, if it wasn't tipped, if it was tipped at the line, if it was tipped by a defender in the secondary, all yeah, these kinds of things. How many times was it bobbled? Was it stripped? 
Yeah, because and that's why things like drops aren't an official stat because they're like a more subjective than just an interception. Like right. an interception is when the team that is not yours catches the football when you throw it. Like right. there's no subjectivity to that. Right. Um, so I think maybe as like an advanced analytic thing, it could be interesting. And I think I think people actually do. I think like he and Fahey does that sort of work with quarterbacks, like targeting like missed yards uh, or whatever due to drops or something so there's a little bit of that already in the in the works um, and I think it's a good advanced stat but as a term like as a base stat like that would be counted for fantasy or anything like that yeah um, or just like show up in the game center I don't think it would work because it's it's subjective um, unless you can come up with a real hard and fast rules uh, which I don't know if you can <laughs> nice uh, so next question Corey Bach- Bachman what are some good rookie to team fits for fantasy purposes? Uh, do you have any like r- teams that need a running back real bad that you think good running backs would slide right into? I feel like Christian McCaffrey would uh, be good with the Colts. Colts, yes. Hell yeah. yeah. Colts need to take a Christian McCaffrey type of running back. Yeah. Cause, I mean, Gore is still good. Like I think he can, you know, he's viable or whatever, unless he just completely falls off the cliff, which is liable to happen because he's ancient. Yes. But at the same time, like I think he, 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 that's a good fit there. That's a pretty perfect fit. Um, I think Buffalo needs to take a number two receiver. Um, yeah. Corey Davis and Sammy Watkins. That's like my comp for Corey Davis is Sammy Watkins. Uh, so I think those would be two good options for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I think Carolina needs a receiver. Okay. Um, I don't think they take one at eight, but I wouldn't hate it if they take uh, O.J. Howard at eighth overall is a thing that could actually happen. So look for that. They, I know he's a tight end, but like they could start using two tight ends, move him or Greg Olson around into the slot. Their receiver core is, is just broken. Uh, so I think that's a good fit. I um, think the Eagles need a running back too. I would like to yes. e- the Eagles. I'd like to see the Eagles take like a big bruiser type of guy. They could like, be a good. They would seem like stylistically a good fit for Dalvin Cook. Yeah, yeah, and um, Fournette too. I think that's a tough. It's a tough spot to find like an ideal for fantasy, like a fit for him. Right. Um, I mean, Carolina's a good one, but Stewart's there. Cam's there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of struck because I think he's going to go high. Like Cincinnati's one that could take Leonard Fournette, and I think like that wouldn't be too great. So it's kind of tough with with that one. But so those are a few. We'll do a whole like maybe perfect pairings podcast later in the future where we'll really hash this out. I'm into that. Okay, perfect pairings by the hipsters. Next question comes in from Chad Gaver. I guess currently on a scale of one, slightly less evident head than necessary for proper hipsters on or proper bedhead than necessary for proper hipsters uh to 10 intelligentsia closing and fixed wheel bikes melted down to make terminator robots on the same day how are you feeling about these reports about zeke being <laughs> chad is great i actually followed chad on twitter because he would tweet me so many good like start sit uh questions that were that were very hipster like are you with michael crabtree this week are you feeling you know Old craft, like sort of just crazy, right, like right. unicycle type stuff. It's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. So, um, hipster stuff. I had to get those notifications. But yeah, but uh, how are you feeling about these reports about Zeke being out of control? He was an absolute gem last year. So, wanted your thoughts. Thanks, guys. I, I saw this question and I looked it up because I didn't know what was going on. I guess he's been doing some partying and he's he had some a, stuff. He had an incident where he pulled off a girl's shirt at a yeah, parade. Right. Um, so, the thing about Zeke is, like, 
he's young. He definitely can't do that sort of stuff. I mean, especially like pulling a girl's shirt off. Like that's that's some sexual assault type stuff. Like yeah. that's not being young and immature. Right. Um, I actually had a really good back and forth with our buddy Chris Allen uh, and Marcus Grant about this on Twitter. Um, and like right now, I just think the 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 attention is all on Zeke, and like you got to know that that's not uh, that's not okay. You can't do that sort of stuff. I don't think we're at a point where we need to freak out about it, but it's definitely something to keep uh, in the back of your mind. So I would say like a a three. Yeah, I'm not on a scale of one to ten. I'm like a two. Yeah, I'm I, not worried about it. It's the off season. He shouldn't be doing this stuff. You're right. He's someone also needs, super young. He's mad young. Someone needs to rein him in. I think I saw a quote from like Michael Irvin or something talking yes. about like, yo, you're you know, you're on the Cowboys now, and everything you do is going to be under the micro- microscope. And like, maybe, if you know anything about Michael Irvin's right, history, exactly, like, that's like a big thing for him to say <laughs> exactly. that. So, but you know, he said the same lore stuff to Dez. Like, it's not the same. Again, not one to one comparison, but that's a big big transition for these guys. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. I think when the season starts, he's going to be fine. Cool. All right. Well, next question comes in from Mike Val Valverde. Yep. DLF staffer. He is. Uh, Dynasty startup. Go with Zay Jones or Carlos Henderson and slash or is Christian McCaffrey the number one back in PPR leagues? Well, so you already heard our rookie analysis up top. Right. Obviously, I like Carlos Henderson over Zay Jones. And I I don't know. I guess you would say no to McCaffrey being the number one PPR league Well, number one PPR back in terms of like once he's drafted and in the NFL or like right. among this rookie class. I, I guess I would say class. among this rookie class, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so too. I yeah. mean, I, w- I, I think he's in conversation for the just the – in Dynasty picks, just the 101 rookie pick anyways. And if he does go late second round to, or late first round to a team like Indianapolis or something, that would be a pretty uh, dream situation for fantasy. Yeah, I can see like 80 catches, especially if they start splitting them out wide and all right. this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I guess I would say, yeah. All right, cool. So our last question here comes from Ben Embry, and he asks again, what are the best landing spots for wide receivers in this draft, and what are the worst landing spots? Um, Again, let's table this question, because I think we should do uh, like a perfect pairings uh, podcast later when it gets a little close to the draft. All right, I'm down with that. Cool. Uh, So before we go, uh, we just want to say, you know, thanks everybody listening. Uh, thanks to, to Brandon for coming in for our first ever guest. That was cool. First ever live in studio guest. Uh, pretty awesome. Uh, great stuff from him. Um, we will let you guys know uh, when he does get a website or a social media account going for his knife uh, business. And also we will, in the show notes, include his top five beers in case you guys want to check those out too. Awesome. Uh, other than that, also... Hit us up uh, if you guys are interested in this podcast being twice a week. That's something we've been talking about lately. We're, we're kicking it around on our head. Let us know your feedback on Twitter. Too much hipsters or just enough hipsters with <laughs> yeah. twice a week? Yeah. Yeah, so let us know, we'll, and we'll obviously make a decision later. But other than that, you want to you talk us out or are yeah. you too busy with baseball? So, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all right. Uh, let's, you guys can find us on thebackyardbanter.com. That's Harmon's website. All of his wide receiver valuations for this class at receptionperception.com. My website, I got some rookie profiles up, sticktofootball.com. The podcast, you can find at fantasyhipsters.com. Find Matt Harmon on Twitter at MattHarmon underscore BYB. I'm at Matt Franchise. Send questions to fantasyhipsters at gmail.com. And as always, download, subscribe, rate, and review. You, you guys don't know how much 
Your ratings and reviews help us out in the iTunes. Please review the podcast. Yeah. Leave us so, five-star reviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hipsters out. Hipsters out. So you, you're doing the bracelets, huh? Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying them. Sometimes I've thought about that. I don't know. I've thought about being a bracelet guy, but I don't know if uh, I don't know if I like it. I got them in a subscription box, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it out and see what happens.